Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No, you're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society. How to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of. One that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. How do we define principles that are held in truth on our planet? And what is true for you and what isn't true for you? How do we know what is really true for us? If we are to look at life and understand life from the present experiences that we're having, it's not the greatest way for us to understand life. 
because the present experience that you're having are from the choices and reactions that you had in the past. So the question you have to ask yourself is, are you a person who's operating from the idea that your reality is what you see now? Or can you be honest with the fact that your reality is what you see now because of what your reality was then? And basically don't hold so strong to this reality that you see now. Meaning, I would say, if I was going to give you a beautiful wisdom to hold, live in a way that you are unattached to this reality that you see. Look at it like you're watching a movie or like you're watching a river go by. And what you see right now is not real. It's just created out of what was then and what you said and what you thought back then. And that you can shift this experience by not being attached to it. And I know some people are saying like, what? How do you live unattached? Well, you live unattached by being a master of what I call the sorcery of understanding. The sorcery of understanding, let just sit on the tip of your tongue. Mm. The sorcery of understanding is really simple, really. It is realizing that what you are experiencing and what you are understanding of this reality right now was based on a bunch of information that you had back then. So it's interesting to watch what plays out right now to know what you were thinking then. And if you don't like what you see, then you simply go, whatever that thought was then that created this now, I dismiss and I recreate. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I dismiss and I recreate. In that moment, you create what we call a cosmic pause. Now, you may not realize that the universe does pause itself on a quantum level, meaning that you may not see like the trees stop and everyone frozen in the street and that's the pause that you're thinking. It's a different type of pause. It's a pause on the energy that is moving and creating your reality as it is right now. You see, everything that you're seeing right now is energy in motion, creating what you see, which creates what you're experiencing. Now, that energy is being governed by something you did in the past that you thought or an action or a belief that you had or reaction that you had back then. And so therefore, that trajectory of that energy has come from the past and has created what you're experiencing right now, right? But the energy runs its course. And it's really funny because, uh, you know, there's this whole understanding that people think that like once you put something into motion, it stays in motion. Yes, until something comes and stops that motion. And that's something we're not talking about. Like we all have that understanding of once in motion, always in motion, la, 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 right? I'm sure you heard it. If you haven't, then you should look it up, right? Because, you know, what stays in motion is always in motion. And this is like a, you know, a known fact on planet Earth that we look at scientifically. But the idea is, is that there is a forces that can come in and stop what's in motion, 
and change its direction based on what we call a pause. The pause is the interruption. The interruption, which I always like to say that I'm the loving interruption into people's lives because I interrupt things. I interrupt nonsense. I interrupt, I interrupt bullshit. I interrupt um, just like things that aren't really supporting a person in the way they speak and the language they use and the reactions they have. Like if I have a friend who's talking to me and they go, I hope things will change. I immediately come in with a loving interruption. I'm like, okay, hope is a two-way crossroad, which means yes and no. So which one is it going to be? You won't know because you hoped. So let's get clear. Let's have clarity. Let's have attention that creates intention. So the consciousness of of what they're experiencing then dynamically shifts because I became a loving interruption, right? Yay. So the thing is that when we acknowledge that a loving interruption is basically a creative force that propels itself into the direction of whatever energy has already been, you know, operated from, such as the choices you made in the past or the reactions you've had or the words that you said have put their motion um, into action, which is creating what you see now in your reality. But if you stay unattached to this reality and you become like a person who's just watching it, so you understand like, oh, whoa, this is what's happening. Da, 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 da. All right. And then you say, I'm going to pause that energy, right? And you, you, you're really letting the spirits know you're pausing that energy and then you simply dismiss it. So you pause it, you dismiss it, you dismiss that energy. So all of a sudden, all the energy from what you actually was projected from then to what you're experiencing now disappears. And then you now bring the loving interruption in to the correction of that energy. Now, what I'm sharing with you is old shamanic wisdom. So it may take some time for you to digest it. And for those of you who digest things very quickly, then great. So you might have to listen to it a couple of times, but this is really valuable information that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation, to generation, to generation that comes from ancient, ancient times of understanding the laws of energy and the ways that they move in the formations that they move in consciousness right is this creative source of energy that is waiting for something to be created within that consciousness and then it's given momentum to move into wherever it needs to move based upon the design so if we understand that we understand that everything you're experiencing now that was created then is energy moving right? It's moving. And then what you call a future, if you look at it from a linear perspective, then what's moving to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is all that energy that was created back then. And so you can actually interrupt that energy as a loving interrupter by pausing it, dismissing what you see. So like I dismiss this energy I created back then. I dismiss it. It is not the right formation. It's not the thing that it needs to be um, the way it is. And then the universe is like, okay, great. So now what do you want it to be? And in that moment, you become a loving interruption when you download a new understanding of code into that energy that's already in motion. And so that energy that was like, let's say I'll give you an example so you can kind of um, play it out in your head. Let's say in the past you were thinking that like life is hard. It's hard to come by money. Um, you have to work really hard for money and blah, 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 blah. Okay. The blah, blah, blah is just whatever else you want to add to that story. And then all of a sudden you're living like 
five, six months later or two or three weeks later and you're not getting a job and money's scarce and you're having difficulty paying your bills and all these things are happening, right? Well, all these things are happening because of what you said five months ago or two weeks ago or a week ago or last Saturday, okay? Because you created the energy as a creator, you put it into motion through the momentum of your being, right? By saying it, you have now allowed it to move because you brought it into life. And so that it's moving. So now you're seeing all of the things that it's moving towards and what's coming into your life because of it. You can immediately say, stop that energy, dismiss that energy, meaning dismissing whatever it is that you said in the past, and then add in what you, where you want that, where you want to send that energy to. So you become a loving interruption to that energy. Now the energy takes a new course and all of a sudden everything starts changing like tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day completely different from what you said in the past to what you're saying right in this moment. But in order to do so, you have to be unattached and you have to observe your life, not be so in it. You know, it's kind of like when you go to sleep at night and you watch your dreams, sometimes you're watching and sometimes you're in it. So when you're in it, you're like the character and you're running around, maybe things are chasing you and blah, 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 blah. You know, and like, you're like, oh my God, I'm falling from the sky. I'm skydiving. Yay. And then you might be actually watching yourself skydiving. Well, these are the same things in life. You're either observing life or you're participating in life, but you can observe and participate at the same time. And that's the cool thing about being this amazing quantum being, this multidimensional being, because the participation of life is based upon consciousness. What you allow consciousness to do, what you allow consciousness to be aware of, meaning you're aware of consciousness, being aware of that which you are choosing to be aware of and being aware of consciousness simultaneously creates you to be more expansive in your thinking. So literally, uh, there's this movie, I forget the name of the movie. It was, um, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and it's not there. Oh no, but it's back, and here it is. It's Sherlock Holmes. And it's played by, I think, um, what's the guy who plays? Uh, well, I don't really remember the guy who plays. I think it's the person who plays Iron Man, but it could be Robert Downey Jr. I think it's him, but I could be wrong. The point I'm making is in the movie, he's able to see the moves that everyone could possibly make. And he finds a way to figure out what's the one that is the most accurate to what's going to happen. And then he makes choices knowing those moves and shifts his understanding to counterbalance those things that are happening to be ahead of them. By the time those moves happen, he doesn't get shot by the gun and he knows to grab the plate and throw it and hit it on the wall. It's going to hit that person if he throws it in that way. And so he sees all of that happening. And the reason why he's able to see all those things happening is because he's unattached to being the character and he's more an observer of the, of the scene or what's happening. And so he's developed this part of his brain and his thinking to be able to see everything as open. And when I say open, I mean the possibilities of the things that could happen. And then he taps into his resource, which is that part of yourself that knows of which is the one that is going to be most likely the, the situation, right? You know, I have a friend who was going to the, become an Olympic swimmer. And one of the things that his coach used to always do was have him sit in the water and visualize himself swimming. He spent a lot of time visualizing himself swimming, then swimming. And, you know, even though he walked away from swimming and became this amazing DJ, but the point is, when he told me that story when I was young, I was like, oh my God, that is so powerful shamanic energy. 
Because the idea of him observing himself swimming instead of being in the act of swimming was him being able to see it as an observer. And through that observation, he could make changes in how he saw himself swimming, watching certain strokes and certain behaviors and certain things that he's doing that then relates to the part of his brain that is able to digest that information. And then when he goes to swim, he can actually follow that same exact pathway. Just talk to any athlete if you don't believe me. Most athletes always visualize what they're doing before they do it. And that's an interesting thing, right? Because there are times where I'm going to have a conversation with my girlfriend or something, and I know it's going to be a conversation that we need to have about something that it's been kind of pressing both of us. I visualize myself going into that conversation from a place of love and openness and holding space for her so that whatever happens in that conversation, it comes out to be the most beautiful, loving, connected, real, honest, authentic conversation that leads to us, both of us learning and growing and loving each other even more. Because I visualize myself, I live unattached to being the character in that conversation and just reacting in the moment. You see, that's how we become what it truly means to live as a mindful being. A mindful being isn't someone who's just like, people think mindful means like you're mindful, like your mind is on it. No, mindful means that you are able to see the possibility of many possibilities because you're unattached. That's what Lord Siddhartha was talking about and Buddha was talking about who became the Gautama Buddha, right? Is to be live in a space of non-attachment, to not be attached. Not attached means you're not reacting. You're not like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening right now. This is crazy. How can this be possible? You're not in that, you're not in that framework, right? You're not in that, you're not in that space. What you are in is in a space of understanding that everything that's happening is coming from a source that was created, which we you was the one who created it. But that source was then sent out like if you were to like, how do I say, like, you know, shoot a rocket, you know, into outer space or, you know, put a train on the tracks and turn the train on, right? You're the one who set that energy into motion, But the cool thing about energy is it can be redirected, it can be paused and restructured with the information that it was carrying. So you could say like, whatever you put into motion was like this car or this rocket ship that was carrying all this like negative stuff that was going to explode at some point. And while it was traveling through space, it was creating realities that are so unpleasant and uncomfortable. Well, you get to go inside that rocket and take out all that stuff and put in new stuff and keep it going. But what ends up happening is because all that new stuff is in there, it creates a whole new experience. So like I'll give you an example. So one day I was wanting to get a book from this bookstore and I drove about, I think an hour and a half or so to this one bookstore, which I thought was very interesting that um, I was being very kind of like, you know, I got to get this bookstore and there was all this traffic and it was like, I had to go across the Golden Gate Bridge and I was so frustrated and like, like whatever. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go get this book from this bookstore. It's the only bookstore that's carrying it. I got to get this book, right? So I show up at the bookstore and on the door, it says closed. And my friend was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry that you had to drive this far. And you know what? I know it's a downer, you know, but you know, we'll get the book. And immediately I unattached myself from it. And I said, I do not accept this reality. 
I paused and realized that I put this in motion at some point. Now I'm going to change it and say, I'm going to get the book and something's going to shift to make it happen. And all of a sudden, this woman is walking and she, I see her on the street. She's coming across the street. She's walking up the, where the bookstore is. And she goes, can I help you? And I said, yes, you know, I just traveled an hour and a half away. And there's this book that you're carrying and I really want to get it. And she's like, do you have cash? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, well, I'm the owner of this bookstore and I left something behind and um, I can get you the book. My friend looked at me. He was amazed. He was like, are you kidding me right now? You just said you don't accept this reality. And all of a sudden the reality shifted. I said, yes, because I've decided to stop whatever energy I had put in the motion that made it that I wasn't here on time and shifted it. And now here I am getting my book. Now, let's say, for instance, I got upset because I was attached, right? Because this is what attachment is. I get attached. I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I get in the car and we're like, we leave. The woman was still coming to the store. And the universe already had many quantum ways things could work out for me. But because I got so angry and upset and got in the car with my friend and drove off, we missed the woman walking across the street. And therefore, I didn't get the book. Another example, which is um, very similar in the way. So I had a situation where I was in Turkey and I was with my friends and I needed a battery for my phone because my phone needed a battery because the battery I didn't have and it wasn't working. So we were going up to my friend's house who lives out a little bit more in the countryside of outside of Istanbul a little bit. And we go there to relax and chill and have fun and meditate and do all this shamanic fun stuff. And hang out with him and his wife and they make great food and it was beautiful. And, you know, so my friend was like, I need to find a place, Turkcell. I need to find Turkcell. So I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, okay, Turkcell, you know, and he's like, oh, there's one on our way. So we stop at the only one. And now mind you, all these places are closing down because we we have Ramadan uh, Ramadan happening, which is like, you know, people want to they're fasting all day and they want to go home and they want to break that fast when it comes on television, which I love, by the way, the whole festival and literally, you know, breaking the fast. So people want to close up their shops and be done. So it was one shop is still open. I walk inside and I was showing my phone. I was like, you know, do you have this phone? And my friend is there. He's Turkish and he's watching me. And I said, they're like, no, we don't have this battery for this phone immediately. He goes, okay. He's like, I'm sorry, Durek, that this happened, but we have to get going because we have to go, we have to get to our friend's house and da 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 da. And there's no more trucks, so you have to wait until Monday. I, uh, I just was like, ha 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 ha. Give me a second. I walked away, unattached myself from the situation, went in and was like, whatever energy that I created that has made it this way, I pause it now, I dismiss it, and I add in that. I'm going to get the battery that I need from my phone. And I know the spirits are going to make it happen. All of a sudden, we're sitting there. Actually, we weren't sitting, we we're standing. I always say sitting when we're like still, but it's actually we're standing. And my friend looks at me and he's like, well, you need to get going. And the guy goes, wait a second. He goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. He goes, I just, a thought just came into my mind. A thought just came into his mind? My friend is looking at me like, what? He goes, wait a second. There's an old model phone that has the same battery that your phone needs. And we just took it off the shelf. It's in the drawer. And he opens the drawer, pulls the phone out, pulls the battery out, puts it in my phone and my phone works. My friend looks at me and he goes, are you kidding me right now? Like, 
I just witnessed something crazy right now. I go, what did you witness? Because I just witnessed you not accepting the reality, pulling yourself out of it, and then and then everything changed. All of a sudden, he got this thought out of nowhere. Like, why did he get that thought? Because the universal energies that were put into motion have changed because I changed them. And therefore, he got a thought, and that thought was to shift whatever was going on, which was him saying no, right? Which he probably would have never got a thought. We would have left and went to my friend's house and I would have had no phone for the weekend. But because he had the thought, because I just detached myself from it and then decided to be the creator in that moment, knowing that this is happening because I created some energy in the past that needs to be dismissed, that's creating this reality. And then I'm going to fill in a new experience and I'm going to let it go. And all of a sudden, Boom, he gets a thought. And the thought was to find the battery to give it to me so I could have exactly what I need. Now, there are so many instances in life we have the ability to do that. But to do so, we have to stay unattached. We have to not be reactive because reactive means participation. We have to be mindful and knowing that there are energies that were created in the past that have created what you're experiencing in this moment And it doesn't mean that it cannot be changed or rearranged or shifted. If you accept your reality and you are attached to it, which means you're interacting with it and like you are in a dream, you are playing the character out and your reactions and your responses, then you are sure to not have those experiences that I just explained to you because you have become a part of the narrative. And that means that you're accepting the energy that was created then that is now happening now as truth and real for you. However, if you decide that that narrative is not one that you like or accept, well, then guess what? Then you have the ability to pause it and be a loving interruption, change the energy by dismissing the old energy that's creating the reality that isn't really a reality. It's just energy playing itself out. And then create something completely new and watch the transformation happen right before your very eyes. How's that, huh? I mean, you're talking truly understanding how to really create true sorcery. Ability to change the circumstances. That's as much as like literally going to the fates themselves and pulling the strings and cutting the ones you want cut and keeping the ones you do want. Because look, I'm going to tell you right now, there's many times in my life where I could have had certain things happen. Things that I didn't want to happen, but happened because I was such participating in the storyline or participating in the narrative of it. But there's times in life where you really need to step out of being a human and be a sorcerer. A sorcerer is someone who understands how energy moves and how energy fluctuates. A sorcerer understands that there is a design to energy. And a sorcerer knows that energy and its design can be manipulated. Because truth be told, the greatest, most powerful people in the world are the most excellent manipulators. Now, look, don't get me wrong when I say like some people I say manipulation, they're like, oh, that's so bad. No, actually, I'm a masterful manipulator. 
But I manipulate things towards the greater good of humanity. I manipulate people to see the light and the truth and the love that lives within them. I manipulate people to get out of their negative thinking of lack and um, and and, pros- and into prosperity and joy. I manipulate people for healing, transformation, and and awakening. And look, the thing is, there are tons of people on the planet manipulating this and manipulating that. The question you have to ask yourself is that true manipulation means that you understand energy and you know how to interrupt it, you know how to shift it, you know how to lift it, you know how to spin it into a ball, change it into a new shape, rearrange it, and create something new. All a, manip- all a manipulator does is take energy formations, understanding its design, and creates the design that it wants and sends it out. That's it, really. So it's like, if we think about it, right? If you are constantly reacting to things and constantly reacting, most cases are you're not manipulating, you're participating. And if you want to be a manipulator, it's to detach yourself because that's what the government does. The government isn't participating. It only participates on our behalf so that it can create narratives that we will buy into by the things that we see because we've been told to believe in our reality. Because if you don't believe in your reality, then you must be crazy. (laughs) Well, here's a funny thing. Actually, if you believe in your reality, you're accepting energies in their design and not thinking that you have the ability to change them, rearrange them, shift them, lift them, and move them in a new direction. And let me tell you this. If the government was to train human beings from the time that they were kids to where they are now, how to be excellent manipulators by staying unattached to life, not reactive, and much more creative in the essence of their being. You wouldn't see war on our planet. You wouldn't see poverty on our planet. You wouldn't see desecration and destruction on our planet. And you know why you wouldn't see those things? Because people would be able to see the design and they would go, ooh, no, 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 dismiss. And then they would add in new designs that would create new experiences instantly. And I mean instantly. And so when you see that the greatest people in life, when I say the greatest people, I mean people who were able to move mountains were excellent manipulators of design and energy. You can take a person in a classroom. When I see kids who are manipulating for negative reasons, like because they're insecure, or they're manipulating people to get what they want because they feel like they have lack or they don't have certain things, I say, oh my goodness, you have the ability to change the world. All we need to do is to get you out of lack, fear, and limitation and get you into participation from a non-attached way in a creative way that comes from the lens of love for the sake of love. That's it. If I can teach a kid or an adult how to manipulate their life from a place of love versus a place of fear and lack of limitation... This is where you see litness at its full effect. This is when you actually begin to go like, wow, this is amazing. Like I can shift narrative because all I have to do is stop being attached to what I'm experiencing and realize that this is coming from an energy source that I created back then, which can be shifted right now as long as I become a loving interruption, go in, dismiss the old narrative and go in and change it and then watch it just show up. I don't have to accept this reality. 
I'm choosing to accept this reality through my reactions and through my constant need to participate, which is basically reacting. So here's the thing. When I say manipulation, don't throw a negative on it. Manipulators are powerful beings who understand design and energy. How you choose to operate in that field is the same that you would say between someone who does black magic or white magic. There's really no such thing as black magic. When people go, oh my God, they practice black magic. Okay, what, it, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as black magic. And also, the reason why it was called black magic to begin with was because a lot of people would see people of color doing things that they couldn't understand back in the days and they called them black. And so it was black magic, Negro magic. But we're moving out of that paradigm. So just so you know, kind of the history of it. But the thing is this, white, black, whatever. The point of the matter is, it's not about either or. It's about the person themselves. Is that person manipulating energies and designs for the greater good of all and for the planet and for the universe so that we can sustain love, hold love, be in love and share love and expand love and radiate love and all the things love, love, love? Or is that person operating in their creative faculties to manipulate because they're afraid and they're scared and they're hurt and they're in pain? And so they're manipulating things because they feel lack and limitation. And so their only way to, to gain is to manipulate others in the direction of things that are not for the planet, not for the, the benefit of our species, not for the benefit of the animals of the nature kingdom or for the galaxy and universe itself. That is the difference. So black, white, black magic, white magic, it doesn't seem when someone says, I'm a white witch, I'm a white witch. I'm like, really? Does that make you feel more safe? For, to, did you say that so that we can accept you? Which means you don't accept yourself because you feel like you have to call yourself a white witch so that people can identify you as one. You're just a witch. Live it. Love it. Embrace it. If you're a priest, you're a priest. You are what you are. The point is, are you serving love, light, consciousness, expansion, evolution from a loving place, from a design that is about bringing more joy, happiness, and prosperity, health, and wellness in people's lives? And if you're not, then you choose, and that's what you choose to do. Again, I'm not here to judge you. And I'm not here to say what's right and wrong. But what I am here to say is we have power. And I know our power is pretty freaking awesome. So I just encourage you to be a loving interruption. Detach and not hold so strong to the things that you see as your reality. And realize that you can dismiss that energy that you put in motion back then and create something completely different now. All you simply have to do is follow the steps that I explained to you. And you will see a whole new world, literally. And I'm excited about that because there's nothing greater in the world than to see a smile on your face, to see you living your best life, and to know that there's more lit leaders in the world like myself who are loving and giving love to everyone all the time. That's how we change the world. We feel better, we do better, we create better, and we support everything. And so other than that, I have to say 
I love you. And don't ever forget that. I love you and I'll never stop loving you. This life and every life after. Bye. Hey Tribe, so the Tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the Tribe. You can send that information to info at shamanduric.com and share your gifts with the Tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hello Tribe, and this week's Tribal Share features Ryan Donahue. You can find Ryan Donahue on Instagram at Ryan R Y A N underscore W I T H T H E underscore Sachs. That's Ryan underscore with underscore Sachs. And this song is a song of his new song that he's created for the tribe. That is about finding the sanctuary that he goes to in his mind when things get anxious and overwhelmed. And he wants to take you to this peaceful place. So sit in a meditative position and listen. Enjoy. Yeah. 
Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the Tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No, not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. 
Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamandurek.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I want you to know how happy I am that you're on this planet and that you're thriving and you're aliving and living this beautiful life wherever you are at this time in the world, because you know that you've been given the tools and the abilities to recognize your power in any moment to release the stress and to live your best life, no matter what the circumstance is. As I say, being the eye of the storm. And I'm so happy that you're able to recognize that power in you every single day and live a lit life. I'm also very happy to have Dr. Diva Nagula in studio today and sharing with us on Ancient Wisdom today. Dr. Diva Nagula is a board-certified osteopathic physician and has an extensive knowledge and training in integrative and functional medicine. And you know how I feel about functional medicine. It is so important and needed right now where we are in our evolution. And so I'm so excited to bring such an amazing front leader in bringing understanding of medicine, health, and true transformation into our lives. Thank you, Dr. Diva Nagula. Welcome to The Share. Thanks so much for having me, Shaman Durek. Thank you so much. So tell me, what, you know, what was, what's your story? How, how, what, how did you find interest in medicine and where did that come from? Because you know, there's always that, that point where we choose what we want to do in life. And like, what was the thing that inspired you and brought you into that field? Honestly, as I was growing up as a little kid in my family's household, I was really inspired and I was the firstborn and my father was a physician and I really just wanted to be like my dad. And growing up, he was my idol, even though, you know, there was a lot of difficulties with our relationship growing up, but it was, I always wanted to be like him. And I was always looking for his, his acknowledgement and, and uh, looking for his love. And so it was m- me following in his footsteps. And when it came to determine whether I wanted to go into medicine or not, or what field to go into, it was basically out of high school. And, uh, at the time of high school, there was a, um, Typically, when you apply to medical school, you do it out of college. There is an eight-year program that where you could apply out of high school, and it basically guaranteed your admission after college. You matriculated straight to medical school right after college without having to take the entrance exams. And it was a special kind of a, a program. And my father was like introduced me to this program. And he thought this was the best thing for me, and I kind of said, "Well, you know, my life will be set if I go in this path." And uh, of course. You know, I've always wanted to help people and it was a natural kind of symbiotic thing where I should just go into medicine. And honestly, that's how it fell into my lap and it felt right. And I wanted to be like my father and I wanted to help people. And I'd always see stories and hear stories from my father about how he saved lives um, as a physician. And it was really um, an interesting lifestyle that I was living in um, from the life of a physician who, you know, saved lives and, and practiced a lot of medicine and that's all I knew. I wasn't exposed to anything else outside of medicine. So it was a natural path for me to pursue. That's a beautiful story. You know, I think it's always uh, really nice when you have a role model that that's in your life and kind of creates that feeling of like, wow, I, I could see myself doing that. And then really take, you know, all of that measure and 
focus and discipline to actually carry it through and bring it into fruition. I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, um, now, you know, as a functional medicine doctor, what do you feel like has been a major issue that you've seen in the medical world as according to where we could progress in our evolution and how we can actually better inform ourselves of our own health? So a lot of the functional medicine tenets that I learned and was a spouse after I had gotten sick and diagnosed with stage four uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it was at that moment, you know, I knew after digging into the research in terms of why I got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I realized it was not a genetic base. It wasn't something that I acquired from touching somebody or something that I acquired from a bathroom stall. It was actually something that was uh, driven because of my lifestyle uh, that I was leading. And I wasn't living a, a, a healthy lifestyle. And my lifestyle was full of stress as a physician in a, brand, in a practice that I had started up from the ground up. It was full of sleepless nights. And it was also full of just uh, loneliness. And just along with that, because of the stress, it was poor habits in terms of diet, no exercise. There wasn't any practices that were spiritual in nature, no meditation or any of that sort. So it was all these things really was what got the ball rolling in terms of my, my inflammatory state in my body. And I had this chronic inflammation going on that ultimately led to this disease that I had with cancer. And when people ask me this question, it's like, what's the, what is the one thing that you can change for people or instill into people that can help affect their uh, health and well-being in the future? Number one thing that I always tell people is your diet. Um, if you can eliminate your, your, your diet of processed foods and unnecessary sugars, and then you pretty much have gotten 75% of the way there to well-being. Um, so that's my number one thing that I, I hope that people take away home from listening to this podcast. Yeah, not hope. They will take it away because hope <laughs> is a two-way road in shamanism. It's either you do or you don't. Which right. is like, no, the tribe knows that you're taking that away. <laughs> it's really important because I, we have to really bring clarity in, especially at a time right now. I think that there is no more vacillating. It's a, it's a, it's a time to really choose the right path that, that supports us to thrive and to be able to continue our lives and generations to come. So that's very important. I want to get into that a little bit more. What do you think about food, like all the these different foods that you see, like, um, you know, you see, what is it called? Plant-based foods, you know, these, uh, these vegan, these meats that are, uh, that vegans can eat because they're plant-based meats. Uh, what do you feel about that? Do you feel that that's safe for our bodies or do you feel like that's causing another problem? Well, I mean, on the one hand, you're not eating beef or red meat and you're, you know, that's, that's, that's great. And in essence, if that's what you want to do, and it is, you know, leaving that aside, there's obviously benefits to the earth by not eating beef and on a continuous basis, but there's also benefits on eating plant-based foods. The plant-based alternatives, I'm not so high on because it's just another form of processed food that you're putting into your body. It's not whole foods, right? Like the Impossible Burger, the Beyond Meat Burger, the Impossible Burger is what you're seeing that these um, fast food restaurants are espousing because they, it's an alternatives, uh, uh, it's alternative meat and it's obviously giving them more customers because they're attracting vegans and vegetarians. Uh, but it's still processed. So it's, it's, it's not the food as it intended to be. Food 
as it's been intended is to be eaten from its whole natural form, not being processed and not having additives and all this other crap that's added to it that leads to disease. Right. So you're basically saying that, so would you say, because I mean, we know that a lot of you know, disease and, um, and malformations that take place in the body are because of high levels of inflammation. Would you agree with that? 100%. Right. And so in shamanism, we look at, because you had talked about cancer and in shamanism, we, it's interesting to me, and I'm so glad you actually brought that up. And I actually want to go deeper into that because the way we see things in shamanism, the way we're trained is that we look at aggressive markers and we call aggressive markers, emotional energy disturbances in frequencies that are repetitively affecting the system, be it um, consciously um, through the mental, through the emotional and through physical interaction. So that when human beings are being like, you know, proliferated with like television and like bad news and like people talking about all these horrible things and they go meet up with their friends and their friends are being negative or they have someone negative in their home front that's always arguing and yelling and bickering. And then the food they're eating in their body and they're eating food that's toxic and poisonous and has chemicals and are not really good for their digestive system. And then of course, their spiritual side is null and void and they're not utilizing the time to be able to relax. So the emotional self is getting more activated uh, because they're becoming more sensitive and more aggressive in nature because of the anger they're holding on because they don't have the emotional intelligence. And all of these things are results of aggressive markers. And there's so many more I can go into. There's like a list of them shamanically that we look at. And so what we say is that when these aggressive markers are happening at such a level, it creates the body to heat up in, in an incorrect way. It doesn't allow the, the system that it regulates your body to keep the balance in your body. It actually overtakes that system and starts affecting your cells, blood, um, your all the liquids in your body, and then your muscle tissue, your inner tissue, and all the fascia and all the different um, you know, parts of your body. And then we say, this is why cancer formulates. And it's interesting because you had said that you felt it was from all the high anxiety and the poor self-care. Would you think those things kind of go hand in hand? I definitely do. I mean, I didn't have any uh, ways of coping or dealing with my stress. And so I was living this life of anxiety and depression. And I was also living a life where I was born into this world in tr with trauma. And so that trauma carried me through and I was always living in this life of fight or flight and it never dawned on me how to live another way because that was the norm for me. And then it was only recently where I just determined that um, how to breathe properly. And I was always a chest breather because in the reason in the chest breathing pretty much is an indicative of, of being in fight or flight. And it kind of makes sense. If you're running away from a bear, you don't really have time to take these deep breaths because it's just too, it's, it, you just need to react in a quick manner. And the quick manner is to get a shallow breath from your chest. And so I was taught how to do diaphragmatic breathing, which is deep, deep breathing. And literally that was not just, I was about a year, a year and a half ago. And uh, it was that moment that I realized is like, wow, I've been living an entire life in fight or flight, which is obviously a, a significant driver for chronic inflammation and chronic disease and which drove me to get cancer. Right. And then also, of course, you, if you're in that flight or, you know, fight uh, situation, you're also uh, burning out your adrenals. Is that correct? Exactly. Right. And, you know, it's interesting too, because uh, in shamanism, we have this thing, we call it the bowl. 
and the bowl represents the part of your organs. So from, from your, from the medial position, lateral right to lateral left, all of that, which is underneath your, goes from underneath your rib cage all the way down to your lower pelvic floor is known as your bowl. And whenever there is an imbalance in the system, the first thing the shamans will tell people is to take a breath into your bowl and mm. fill up your bowl. Because when your bowl is being moved with oxygen and air, because the air element moves energy so that it allows your, the constriction off of your organs and allows your, your blood and your bile and your lymphatic system and everything to flow and be harmonious. So that's really interesting what you were talking about as far as the upper chest breathing. Yeah, it's the um, same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really the same thing. I love how everything crosses over in a different um, interpretation and understanding from both the Western, Eastern, and also from the shamanic points of view. I really love, that's why I love having people like you on the share in Ancient Wisdom, because we have so many doctors who are listening, so many biohackers, so many moms, and so many like people from diverse backgrounds from all over the world. I mean, people from Dubai and Africa are listening. And, you know, they're all, and it's so intertwines because the different cultures and different um, aspects of how we've learned, you know, to really educate, bring education full circle instead of it just being like exactly. this one form of education, right? 100%. I totally agree with you. And it's, and it's, it's amazing. And it's, but the interesting thing is that the functional medicine and the integrative medicine that I espouse is different than the Western medicine that I grew up and, you know, basically uh, devoted a large, significant life of my part of my life to, and Western medicine is is quite different. They don't function. They don't. They don't give any types of attention or focus on diet and nutrition and well being. Right? It's all about putting band aids on the symptoms. They don't get to the root cause of the problem, and that, in essence, is a problem. You know, if we don't get to the root cause of the issue, we're never going to sit. There. We're, we're basically placing band aids by putting. A, placing a prescription of medicines on the patient, which probably doesn't need it. There's other ways of regulating blood pressure, as for an example, instead of just giving a blood pressure pill. You know, and the next thing you know is that you, you prescribe a patient a blood pressure medicine and they're having some sort of uh, a side effect, you know, and, and their side effect is is treated with another medicine, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I believe Western medicine has its place in society. Western medicine is great in terms of um, putting a person back together. If a person had a, a motor vehicle accident and they had to have surgery, we're, we're awesome at that. Western medicine is yeah, great at that. I call it the Humpty Dumpty effect. Yes. We're great at like <laughs> treating you know, multi-systemic you know, organ failure with antibiotics if there's sepsis that's involved. And on the front lines right now, we're seeing um, a lot of these people in the hospitals you know, because of the virus. And this is a great way. I mean, a lot of times the, the Western medicine can help with that. But... And honestly, to my, in my opinion, I think it's all about preventative care. And that's what integrative medicine and functional medicine really espouses. It's about prevention. Yeah. And long-term long -term, uh, ability to thrive. Yeah. Maintenance. Exactly. You know, it's interesting because um, it's interesting how our world has put so much emphasis on, you know, that very Neanderthalic way of, of, the, of the medical world, right? You know, that allopathic, you know, you go in, we, we, you have a symptom, we diagnose your symptom and we give you a bunch of drugs and, you know, we'll patch you up, we'll cut something, sew it up together and all these different things. And it's so interesting because for me, when I look at it, you know, from, from my viewpoint, 
I understand shamanism, everything is about relationship. And so we look at the relationship to food, to, to your body, to other people, to your ancestors, to nature, to the animals, to everything. And if your relationship isn't held in this beautiful, loving, um, cohesive connection, then it creates what we call chaos or distortion. And that's when suffering comes in. And that's when you know, human beings go through a lot of pain. And this is why we're going through what we're going through right now, even with the coronavirus, is this, this lack of um, true relationship with life. And, and what I love about uh, functional medicine, which I'm really um, just so happy that I just more people just really to just make that the real understanding is that you're teaching relationship. And I really admire that because you're teaching relationship by getting people to understand that the relationship you have to the food and to your lifestyle and to everything is what's going to either be the preventative care for you. And by not having that relationship, then you're not in awareness with what's happening. And then that's when things become unraveled. So in today's culture, we have all of these different things that people are doing in order to maintain health. I mean, you see everything from keto to you know intermittent fasting to you name it. What do you feel, you know, for someone like who loves to eat meat, for instance, or someone who, you know, just can't let it go? How much meat are we really supposed to be consuming? You know, that's really a good question. And, and I think, honestly, the, the honest answer is really, it depends on the individual. What I would recommend doing is, and this was something that I just did a few years ago, is getting a food sensitivity test. And what that is, basically, there's, there's a couple of tests that are out there. And it tests 400 different foods on your body. And essentially, it will see if your body has a reaction to any of these foods. And it categorizes it to, um, according to severity. Like there's a, there's a category called severe reaction, moderate, and mild. And then there's another category where there's non-reactivity, meaning that there's no reaction to all. You can eat it as much as you want and as often. But the severe is, is really important because that is something where you should never eat again because you've developed some intolerance and sensitivity issues to the specific food. And for me, when I did this test a year ago, I would try not to eat red meat as much. And I was, you know, but meat was a, a staple of my diet. I would eat it, you know, two to three times a day. And what I learned was that um, instead of red meat, you know, I was eating a lot of chicken. And I just, it just, it never made me feel good after eating it. And then when I got back my results, it was interesting because I had a severe reaction to chicken. And I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, this is, and when you have a reaction, it, it basically sets off inflammation in your body. And when you have inflammation, as we were talking about earlier, it's like, this is the driver for chronic disease. And so I was in a state of inflammation and I didn't even know it. And that's the interesting thing about a chronic inflammation. You, it's what's inside that's stirring up. It's causing it's inflammation. That's what's going on in your body. We're used to seeing inflammation like on the surface of our skin. If we like bump into, you know, like a wall and scrape ourselves, and we feel all this redness and irritation and discomfort. Yes, that's acute inflammation. But chronic inflammation is something that you may not even perceive, and it could be too late. But to get to to your point and your question is like, I I don't. No, I mean, I'm, I've changed my diet in the last year and a half where I've been more vegetarian and vegan. And I don't know if it's because it's my ancestry is all about eating vegetarian. And I'm, and I'm the first one who was in my family. I was born and raised here and I was just exposed to this Western diet. And so 
my genetics and my DNA has probably been used to eating vegetables and from India. You know, that's all they did. They, my family was vegetarian, and I and I kind of wondered if that had a, a a role into my intolerance or my sensitivities to to meat. And so I think that's one real, one thing that I would definitely encourage people to get is as a food sensitivity test, not to determine how much meat they they eat, but to determine what foods are sensitive and is causing them a, an inflammation. Mm. And how does one go about uh, doing this food sensitivity test? Because I would definitely love to, to do that myself. So there's a test that I use. It's called ALCAT, A-L-C-A-T. Um, you can actually go online and, and, and do it yourself. Or if you go to an integrative medicine specialist, naturopath, or a functional medicine uh, provider, they're able to pick from a variety of tests to, um, to um, employ for food sensitivities. Nice. I think that's really important because we are, you know, our bodies are all very different and very complicated in itself, <laughs> depending upon what people were eating when they were a kid to, you know, their, what was like, what their, you know, what's, I mean, does it really matter what they've been eating? Does it, they, the, the, what I'm saying is like, does the effect of what they ate from where they were a kid have anything to do with that food sensitivities as well? Or is it just only what they're doing right now in the present it could. moment? It, it's so unknown. And I don't think there's a science behind it. I mean, it, it's geographical based. Like if you grew up in, in an area, um, let's just pick, um, you know, South Africa for a change. And then and there's food that's indigenous to South Africa, right? And you grew up on that. Does, and then you were trans and you changed and moved over to the to United States. I mean, does that have a bearing on the inflammation of, of what you're eating? I, it very well could be, you know, and, and it, what we do know is that there are certain different, for certain foods like dairy, for example, as we get older, we have an ability to not absorb dairy very well. The protein, uh, um, we become lactose intolerant as we grow older. And that's a very common thing. And so what people don't realize is that as they get older, they have this deficiency of this specific protein and enzyme and they become intolerant to dairy and that causes a reaction in their system with inflammation. And you have all sorts of issues where your gut's compromised, you develop leaky gut syndrome and your body starts attacking yourself and then you develop this autoimmune condition, which can lead to other issues down the road too. So again, you know, I think the theme that we've been speaking about is the importance of food, how, how food can, can drive health or you know, in, a, in a positive direction or it could drive it in a, in a negative direction. Right. Yeah. I think that's really important, especially uh, nowadays. I think it's important for people to have that, that understanding and that awareness, you know, uh, because I feel like where we are in our evolution on our planet, there is this really um, strong divide um, when it comes to true health and wellness to the fake health and wellness. The, the, the true health and wellness is to, to live, to really know yourself and live by what's right for you and not follow the trends and whatever everyone is saying to do just because it's the cool, hot thing to do. Whereas like the fake one is just like, okay, because some, you know, some celebrity is standing up and telling everyone to eat beans, everyone starts eating beans and then a lot of people get sick and complain, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, I think the education of self self-awareness of that, of that really true education, which is like, I'm going to educate myself depending upon what I see out in media and on social media and so forth and what is being pushed into our faces, you know, for, for us to buy as supplements and so forth, but really to kind of step into this kind of like self care 
from a place of, of true, you know, self-actualization of our, of how we live to become more sustainable, right? That would be more of the self-actualization versus it to be this spiritual thing that everyone wants to achieve and some nirvana, but true nirvana is to live a good life, right? And have beautiful people in your life. Good life and a happy life. Absolutely. And a happy life. Yeah. So, you know, why do you feel like people have a difficult time letting go or kicking their habits from things that are actually really not so good for them? Um, what, what do you think the cause of that is? And how do we, how do we shift and change that? Well, there's, I think there's several reasons to it. So if we take the example of um, eating poorly, you know, why do, why do people crave um, certain things? You know, well, one, you know, it's the food itself, a lot of it's processed and it has an addictive quality, right? But secondarily, you know, this food creates a reaction in our body and it, it increases our dopamine, so the feel-good hormone. So we feel good as our comfort, you know, that's why there's something that's called comfort food, right? Because it actually increases the dopamine and it's like you just feel better after consuming certain things, food, or, you know, even if you have an addiction, right? So these types of th behaviors are all fueled by increasing the dopamine levels in our system. And uh, that's, that's a kind of thing that I think um, we're all like addicted to certain things. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily to food, but we could be addicted to exercise and, or, or even su controlled substances for that matter. And all of it re revolves around, you know, feeding that um, internal dopamine system, the rewards, the pleasure system, you know, and that's, that's a lot of what we're, we're guilty of. We, we're basically a society that... Um, we uh, we don't really live in the moment. We just we want uh, an immediate gratification, and we we give into our addiction personalities a lot, um, and that's that's where it comes into. And I believe that that's um, one of the things and, and issues that we have to face as a society. And um, you know, uh, in the Western culture, really espouses that idea of immediate gratification. Yeah. What. And, you know, going into that uh, immediate gratification, which has caused us a lot of problems on our planet, right? Because we always want the biggest, the fastest, the bestest, the quickest without really creating um, an awareness of by doing that and mass producing, we're actually uh, losing the quality. So it becomes more about um, quantity than quality, which I see become a big problem. When the, so when people, f you know, fill that need, how quick does the dopamine release in them? It's fairly quickly, I and mean, that's why it perpetuates the behavior so much because it's so quick, and it's like you're 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 feeding that addiction, and and it's almost instantaneous because that's how our body works, and and it's it's even complicated and and worsened by the fact that when we're eating specific foods that are processed, that there's specific ingredients in them that perpetuate the behavior. Of, of overeating because of the ingredients and it increases our dopamine system. And it's just, it's just awful how that's a cycle that needs to be broken and it's so hard to break. Wow. So, okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just like go in a little bit more. So is the dopamine released before they eat or is it released when they eat? I think it's a process of not before, but it's as they're eating or at whatever activity that they're actually performing that calms them down. It's a dopamine release. So it's, it's, it's the association of the brain with the pleasure-seeking behavior that produces the dopamine that's stored in our neurotransmitters and is released. So it doesn't necessarily have to be food. It could be any other behavior. It could be addiction to 
um, gambling could be an addiction to narcotics, you know, and, and all of this is fuel because we have this inherent behavior that we want to seek pleasure. And this is, this is what, how addiction occurs. Do you think that this is because, because um, I'm just looking at it from my perspective of looking at things. Do you think that this is because we don't have that? We live in a world that's very slave based consciousness that it's like, you have to do this or else, or you have to do this, or you're going to end up in the street. Or if you don't have this, you're not going to be accepted by people. And if you don't look this way, you're not going to be loved. And all of these, like you have tos. And if you don't, here's the consequence. And the consequence is always this horrible thing. Do you think the force of that energy of that feeling of, I have to, and if I don't, this horrible thing's going to happen. If I don't do this, God's going to punish me. If I don't do that, this thing's going to happen. All of that, which is so depressing and so really just like annihilating to the, to the human spirit. Do you think that that's why human beings look for those ways to get their power back by going into those, um, those selections and then revving up that dopamine and getting addicted to all of these different things that are like really not good for them? It's a really good question. And I think it, a part of that fear-based living is that you have no control, right? And I think when you are in a specific behavior, whether you're overeating or whether you're indulging in your addiction-like behavior, it's about reestablishing control. And that's what you know we're just describing here. It's like you're, 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 you're based in this you're living in this fear-based emotion all the time where everything is, but yourself is determining your outcome. And these addictions that we're facing, it, it fuels the addiction because it's, it reinforces and it allows us to regain our self-control or some sort of control. Or some idea of it at least. Correct. Right. Do you, when you, when you look at life and you look at like where people are going in our evolution, what comes to your mind? Wow. I would like to say that my, well, my hope is different than what I, what I see happening. And my hope is that we evolve spiritually and we don't have to evolve in a spiritual way that is derived from some sort of illness that we face. And this is what's happened to me. And I have, developed, I have basically gone through a spiritual transformation over the last few years. And I think there's a certain threshold. I think if you have enough people that evolve spiritually, it'll impact others. It's almost like that herd immunity. Even enough people that have spiritually evolved, you'll basically affect the few people that haven't spiritually evolved. And that's my hope. Uh, what actually is happening? Can we is... replace hope with dream? <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, we can. Because <laughs> hope is a word that was written in in, in today's culture. In, in shamanism, it means a two-way road. It means like you're not sure which way it's going to go. And that's why human beings don't ever get to where they want to go because they're always hoping instead of dreaming. Like Martin Luther King said, I had a dream. And you hold that dream and then you put your energy into your intention and your focus on that dream and it actually manifests. So would we say that's your dream? It's almost like, yeah, I, don't, I shouldn't say hope. I should say I have faith. Yeah, that's a good one. I love that. Yeah. So I have faith that this will happen. And, and I, my, my, really, my goal right now, since I've gone through this transformation, is to help people evolve on a spiritual level as much as I can, because I feel that the, what it's done for me in terms of, one, building community and being, allowed, being able to 
have bonds with people. I mean, we're, we're here as humans for a reason. We're not here to, we're not supposed to be alone. We're supposed to be able to bond and have connection. It doesn't mean we're, when I say not alone, it doesn't mean we go out in the streets and in, in, in middle of the street. And, and that's, that still could be construed as alone, even though you're with people because it's a lack of connection. It's all about fostering connection. And then along with the spirituality, I mean, you know this more than I do. It's about feeling that oneness with people and, and, and oneness with the universe. And that's the evolution that I have faith that's going to happen. I see, I, see now. I see the movement now and I see that movement within my circles and with other circles. So I'm very opt- optimistic. That's so beautiful. I'm so happy. I'm very optimistic as well. But of course, with optimism comes a lot of education and redirection and refinement, right? Because I think that there's a point where, you know, human nature needs to be able to understand refinement, not out of the understanding of I'm being punished, like what we're dealing with right now, but this is a refinement. This is a resetting or, you know, a reestablishing, you know, a reconnection to what's really important versus what we thought was important. Yeah. Right. I I think, that's exactly right. And, and again, it's about, it's about educating and it's conversations like this that we're able to put it out there on a level to educate people. We're putting it out there on, a, on an energetic level. And that is, is what's needed, um, more of this. And, and I feel that it's just we have to do our parts, myself, yourself, and anyone else that's trying to foster a positive change whether it's changing their diet, you know, to increase their vibration or changing their behavior or learning, um, you know, uh, meditation and mindfulness techniques. These are things that raises the vibration and can actually obviously increase the vibration of individual and the collective. And that's what we want. And that's huge coming from you as a doctor, you know, because uh, the last I checked on planet Earth that, you know, doctors are not supposed to be merging the spiritual um, with the physical in that in that kind of bridge, so it's really nice to see you um, embody that principle and really step into that space. And I, do you feel that you stepped into that space because of your um, situation with cancer? You know, you wrote a book from doctor to patient, and um, and I actually I, I love uh, the the healing healing cancer through mind, body, and spirit from doctor yeah. to patient. That's really powerful. Uh, can you speak on that? Yeah. Uh, so essentially it's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, the book was written and it in essence was about my journey through cancer. And it talks about, it walks you through my journey of my life. Um, what, since I was born and then, and then as I started my practice and then I got sick and went through cancer and it was an awful experience. And then it made me look back on what I was doing wrong and what led me to having cancer. And then it, it gave me this shift of what I needed to do as I researched and got into more of integrative medicine and functional medicine. And I realized this is the path to heal. And as I was writing my book, you know, I was, I was, I was basically writing about my experiences. And yet I didn't know that I was, I was not fully like on the healing path because I was only healing my body. And it's very easy to heal the body because it's, you have an objective way of looking at yourself. You look at yourself in the mirror and you look at the food that you put into your mouth and it's like, I'm not eating healthy or I look fat in the mirror. So it's an objective way of, of, of signaling, I can change that, right? It's, it's, a, it's a loop that you can change and, 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 and interfere to, to make the change positive. 
Mine is a little different. You know, you have to have a little bit more intuition, a little bit more insight to how to fix the mind. You know, and that and that's what we're talking about earlier. You know, is is through mindfulness practices. You know, through meditation, through um, pranayama, breathing exercises, um, or through other uh, mind body techniques like um, yoga or tai chi or qigong. These types of practices that helps you know with solidify the mind and actually allow you to achieve you know moment to moment awareness, which is what we want. But as I was learning this. I was like, there's something that's still missing. What am I missing? It's not a, it's, and then it came to me. I'm like, oh, because when I was in cancer, I had basically, when I had cancer, I got mad at God. I was so angry that this had happened to me. Not in a woe is me. I'm like, you know, here you are again, screwing me over. And I was just like angry at everyone. And I just never looked back on God until I was writing my book. And I was like, oh, Healing, healing cancer and achieving well-being is a matter of balancing the mind, body, and spirit. And all this came about, the spiritual side of me, is when I actually experienced my first experience with psychedelics. And um, that's what actually spawned this book. It, uh, I had some downloads and insight, and I was like, I got to write this book. And it was that experience that propelled me into a more of a spiritual aspect, you know, achieving um, the oneness, the bond with people, and the um, achieving the oneness with the universe. That was all derived after my my spiritual epiphany um, from psychedelics. Mm. And you know, it's interesting because you went into that space from the psychedelic perspective, which is we say in shamanism that you know. That is a, a lot of the plant medicines and a lot of psychedelics and things that people take in the Western world is giving them uh, be able to have more of an objective viewpoint of their life from a much more quantum perspective than just the linear perspective in which they've been living and looking through a tiny little keyhole and not really seeing the bigger picture. And it's interesting too, because I, it would be nice if more doctors actually got on that, on that train of, of evolution. Because I think like, you know, for myself, you know, uh, I see a lot, a lot of times people will, you know, come to me, um, especially with the coronavirus happening, you know, I have a lot of people who've been sick and coming to me and asking me to do healing on them. And they're just like, how is it that I feel better all of a sudden? And I said, because your body's made up of frequency. And those frequencies are interacting with each other. And some of them that are in there are not interact, um, interacting properly. And it's creating what we call um, energetic field distortion. And that energetic field distortion um, then starts affecting the physical body because the physical body is run through consciousness. And consciousness is then communicated through energy and frequency. And so everything has a frequency. And so when there are frequencies that are affecting the body that are not uh, cooperating, meaning Meaning being in union with, then this causes distortion. So like, for instance, I had one woman come in and she was having just these chronic pains in her stomach. And when I was uh, referring to her, I said, okay, look, you have a distorted frequency. It's coming back from your childhood around age five. Do you want me to send you the emotion and the memories that you have stored in you of what happened that caused that frequency? And she's like, can, that, can you do that? I'm like, of course you can. Your body is technology. And I think because in, in uh, Western medicine, they look at the body much more as these compartmentalizations, you know, and so they see it as like these separate parts. 
And in shamanism, that's a, like a very scary thing to do because you're basically cutting off the communication community of networking, which through technology is achieved when everything is realizing that everything is affecting each other on some level. And so we as a society of people have gotten to this, this restraint of thinking that everything that affects us has to be coming towards us. It's kind of like the theory of like, nothing is going to move until something moves it instead of realizing that actually the movement isn't in the thing that's moving it, it's the thing um, that's actually inside of you that's moving it and making things happen. So it's that level of autonomy and recognizing that when you go in to that place inside of you, you realize that everything that's coming in the nucleus of your being, which is where you sit in the seat of your, your, I call it your command center, where you actually are creating from because you are a child of the divine, you have the ability to create or destroy whatever is generating towards the nucleus of that cell, which meaning you as your own universe or you as your own cell is being generated by a, a magnetic frequency that's being sent out. Like, a, like you, when you go to fish for a fish and you cast the net, you're, you're sending out that magnetic frequency depending upon how much emotional discharge and how much mental um, energy you send out by constantly either rep, uh, rep, repetitiously thinking about it or you have such a strong thought and you just grab it. And then those elements, people, places, situations, circumstances show up to your nucleus and said, hey, you called me? You called me here. And so I think what happens is, is that when we separate spirit from science, we, we don't see the interlinking of the bridge of that information, that communication that is invisible, but is actually still happening. But we don't realize it is because we don't have the technology or the resources to put money into technology, which is my dream to show people like here is the connection between spirit and physical. Here's why people have cancer. Here's why people have Alzheimer's. Here's why people have dementia. Here's why people are getting psoriasis. Here's why a person is going through all of these situations because this energy is communicating this back and forth over a certain period of time, which uh, starts affecting the cells in the body because the cells in the body are made up of atoms and energies that are correlating through consciousness and frequency. So I'm just kind of sharing with you. 100%. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And the only thing that I would add to that is that, you know, shamanism is a little bit different. I mean, it's obviously on the spectrum of healing. Like you have you know, Western medicine, integrative medicine, and shamanism, if you want to put it that way. That's just kind of the way I think of it is, but it's like, it's like an evolution of processes. And, and I think as people get into integrative medicine and, and, and they do their own healing with the mind and the body, and then they create this vessel that allows them to invoke spirit. And I think that's the only way that I, I see. I mean, you could definitely jump, but I think this is how you have to have people go through the processes. I mean, it's a slow process in order to go from Western medicine into, um, into spirituality. Um, and, and that's why I, I really feel it's in order to attain well-being and achieve well-being, it's all about a balance of mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with you 100%. I think if, if we were living in an in a ideal world, it would be functional medicine doctors in, in facilities with shamans who are sitting together and having conversations about what's really going on and then sitting down with the patient and bringing them into the conversation and helping them to understand how to learn about themselves and take responsibility for themselves in the way that they can create uh, sustainable health and, and regeneration. 
Mm, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I think that's that's a, that's a great something to uh, have faith in down the road. Yeah, I love that absolutely. So, um, what I was going to ask you: What are some foods that you feel that are inflammation causing? Yeah, that's a good question. So, the thing the thing that I feel number one that needs to be eliminated is processed food. That's that's processed food and sugary beverages. You know, like your your cokes and and diet cokes, they're just full of just crap that's just full of inflammation. And and aside from that, I mean, that's one part of it. But then you have to also eat foods that are organic and in, and non-GMO. A lot of these foods that are out there that aren't organic, they have pesticides and they have a bunch of chemicals that are in there that could actually pollute and cause inflammation in your body. And there's a specific chemical that we all are heard of. It's called um, Roundup. The active ingredient in Roundup is called glyphosate. And we are just in a society where we're prevalent with glyphosate. You know, it's in our foods, it's in our uh, environment through, you know, through just, it's a weed killer, right? So a lot of places use it as a weed killer. So we're walking around the environment with glyphosate in the air. And it's such a poisonous chemical. And I can't express how poisonous it is. And in fact, in the last one to two years, there's been um, class action suits against the, the uh, manufacturer of this chemical it used to be Monsanto, but Monsanto got bought out by Bayer. So Bayer owns this. Now all these class action lawsuits are against Bayer and people are being awarded a lot of money because there, there's a correlation now with cancer and exposure to glyphosate. And incidentally, the cancer that is coming up more and more that's tied with the glyphosate exposure is the cancer that I had, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, you know, there, there's that. And these people that are that are actually um, that are winning these lawsuits are people that have been dealing with this chemical on a regular basis on a day in and day out. It's really hard to quantify how much exposure you have by eating foods that are non-organic and are full of glyphosate and pesticide-ridden. They just don't have a means of quantifying it. Um, but if you're working out, you know, as a uh, a person who is spraying glyphosate on farms, you know, day after day for twenty to thirty years. You know that's 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 where these class action suits are for these types of people because you can quantify the amount of exposure um, for the for a farmer or for a person who's supplying these pesticides or herbicides to fields. So um, there's just a real simple things, and you know, organic is expensive. That that's there's no question to it, um, and I feel that's uh, there. However, if you understand, there's the, the dirty dozen. These are specific foods, um, and you can look up this uh, on ewg.com, um, and they always update the dirty dozen list. And these are actually foods that you have to buy organic. It's just because they're so they're they're sprayed with so many chemicals, and um, unless they're organic, you know, you're gonna have an accumulation of toxins build up into your system. And then there's this clean fifteen. It's also Do you know what that is? Do you know what those foods are? Um, it's I it they change left and right. So but, it's better for us um, to look it up. Can you tell us where to yeah. look it up again? Yeah, ewg.com. Got it. And the other thing that they actually list is it's the Clean 15. And the Clean 15 is foods that are actually you can that don't have a lot of pesticides. And it's okay to purchase these foods that aren't organic. And um, you know. I, on my book, I listed the the dirty dozen, and I'll just read off the list to you. And this is taken from that site, and this is about a year and a half ago. So the dirty dozen consists of foods that include strawberries, spinach, kale, nectarines, apples, grapes, 
peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes, celery, and potatoes. So these are the foods that you want to always buy organic. Um, and if you're saving money and you don't want to buy everything that's organic, then you choose, then, then you look at the clean 15 list. And these are the foods that you can buy anywhere, not really worried about the accumulation of pesticides. And uh, I'll just read off the list here. It's uh, avocados, sweet corn, pineapples, frozen sweet peas, onions, papayas, eggplants, asparagus, kiwi, cabbage, cauliflower, cantaloupe, broccoli, mushrooms, and honeydew. So that's the first thing that I would, I would do. I mean, if you just follow that, those rules and guidelines that I just gave, you're, you're almost there. I mean, and then it's, about, then it's about what else do you put into your body from a diet perspective. And then it's, it's, it's what I like to call it's the rainbow of foods. So if you eat foods with a variety of colors and, and rotate that on a regular basis, on a daily basis, you're going to have a lot of different phytonutrients and antioxidants and, and all the good stuff that's going to be put into your body that's going to fight inflammation and provide you with proper nutrition. So eat as many vegetables as you can and that, that have different colors, fruits as well, and just rotate that on a regular basis. Um, and that's, that's the easiest thing to do to really change your diet and, and really see impacts uh, of these changes in a, in a very quick amount of time. I love you. You're amazing. You're really amazing. I mean, well, first of all, like everyone has to go get, go get your book because that's a must have on the shelf. And also, you know, the other thing too is just like, what kind of world are we living in that we have to like go and find out which foods are safe for us to eat? Like, it's so unfortunate that that's where we've gotten in society and in our plant on our planet that you know that we've been given this ability to create great food and live with clean air and drink clean water and do all these things and these companies are going through and saying you know what we're going to we need to make more so we're going to like spray it with chemicals and you know i mean it's really unfortunate like even as you were saying that i got really emotional thinking about like how you know, we really do need to be educated. I mean, I've never heard of this list before and I've met so many people and have had so many people on, on sharing with us on Ancient Wisdom today. And I've never got that list. And I was thinking to myself just now, oh my God, I'm so happy that we have you here. You're such a, a lifesaver and such a, 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 you know, a life giver to be able to present this level of information. And that's why I say everyone has to go get your book because... We need to have your book on the shelf so that we, because, you know, for, it's one thing for someone to say, oh, you know, I'm a functional medicine doctor and I'm doing my thing and I'm, and, and it's great because I have nothing but respect and love and, and admiration for those people who are choosing to be functional medicine doctors. But you are saying, I'm a functional medicine doctor and I got cancer. And here's what happened. And here's my spiritual journey back to recovery. And that speaks a lot. Um, in so many ways, because there's so many people who are like, yeah, well, you're just a doctor, but you don't know what I'm going through to, oh my God, you're a doctor and you've actually walked into my shoes and found a way to get out. And I mean, that's, um, that's, 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 that's really powerful. How do you feel about that? Well, thank you. I mean, I, when I hear from your words, the way you say it, it sounds awesome. <laughs> but, but I mean, honestly, it's, it's, I mean, it's what 
I think I'm supposed to do. And this is why I wrote the book. And this came out of my connection with my higher self and through psychedelics. And it just was a download that I received. It's like, okay, you know, I've had enough of trying to make money and acquiring material, material wealth. And, and I've had enough of just um, living that life of trying to attain power. And it's like, that's not what it's about. We're here on this earth to be brothers and sisters. We're here to help one another. We're here to bond, to, bond, to, to, to have a bond with each other and to, and to be of service. And the interesting thing for me is that I wrote in, this, in my book of how I felt lonely all my life and how I lacked connection. And it's, 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 it's a risk factor. So loneliness is a risk factor for mortality, more so smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and more so than drinking alcohol and being a chronic alcoholic. So that's how big of a risk factor it is towards mortality. And the cure for loneliness is being of service to others. If you can be of service to others, your loneliness will just go away and your mortality will just reduce. I mean, your risk for mortality will reduce. So it's just these simple tenets that I've actually learned just through my own research and what's helped me. And believe me, I'm not no way near to the person that I want to be, but I'm, I'm getting there. Every day is a different day that I, I'm achieving you know, things that, that's helping my, my inner soul, things that are helping my, my well-being, um, things that are helping me spiritually. And it's, it's, it's not a, a transition where it happens overnight. These changes do not happen. You have to reverse things that you've been used to doing for so many years. And it's a transition. You have to transition. You have to believe in it and understand the process. And if you stick to it, it will ultimately be in your favor. You will win in the end. Mm. Yeah, I'm just taking a breath with you right now in my stomach just filling my stomach up with air and just taking a breath filling with the bowl. you. Filling, yeah, filling the bowl. Because it's just so beautiful. It, it really is beautiful. And, you know, um, and, you know, you, one of the things that I just want to give to you is, you know, you're not, it's not what you're supposed to do. It's what you are. It's who you are, right? And I always believe in shamanism. It's proclaiming and understanding the nature of your being allows you to be fully present in that space. And like, and also what you were talking about service, which is like one of my things that I always say to everyone in the tribe, which is, the greatest gift that God ever gave me was the ability to serve. And it is through the service that all things become, um, all things become seen and known. And it's able me, it's, it's, it's able given me the ability and, and enabled me to be, to be able to see the, the definitions of myself in all of its myriad um, colors and ways and, and many different parts of my personality come through all the people that I get to serve and also realize that every time I'm serving them, I'm actually serving that part of myself with more love, more kindness, more generosity, more, more you know, um, um, holding space and holding that space of true love, that true place of unconditional love and acceptance. and. Um, you're right. There's the, there, the loneliness factor isn't is 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 non-existent. It only exists for those who believe that they're lonely because they are choosing to be lonely by not realizing that they're part of this amazing collective of beautiful brothers and sisters on the planet who've come here, taken a human embodiment of this biological spacesuit, and is you know and is here to 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 show all the many different levels of love that we can uh, achieve which can actually shift and lift our species, our planet, our animals, and the whole entire natural kingdom to becoming, 
you know, a true place of heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And so I do believe that to be very strong and, and, and capable and possible for every human being on the planet, if they so choose, of course, you know, which I think is, um, is really important. And, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you too, I want to talk a little bit about sugar because I, I really like to, to drive it in into the tribal members' minds about sugar. And so can you, you know, uh, explain to us why sugar is not good for us and where sh- and what things hold sugars that aren't good for us? So let's put this in perspective. Um, for people like myself who had cancer and who's in remission of cancer, cancer feeds the energy that fuels cancer is sugar. So if you're eating foods with sugar, you're feeding into the cancer. So it's evident that when you have a diagnosis of cancer, it's, it is imperative to eliminate sugar. That's just the number one thing that you have to do. And sugar comes in the form of carbohydrates and there are good carbohydrates and there are bad carbohydrates, right? So you don't want to, and, and it's just, there's a strategy behind what you put into your bodies because we can't, it's, it's very difficult to eliminate all sugar and still allow proper nutrition from the foods, the antioxidants to come in and to, and to provide nutrition for your body. However, in a state of, in, of cancer, you have to eliminate sugar. So that's why these, these diets, um, what's the keto diet, which we, we alluded to earlier on in the show, it's very important to follow. And it's where you're actually eliminating carbohydrates. And so you're eating fats and you're eating protein. You know, the macros, the way to divide it up is that you eat about uh, 70 to 75% of fats. And these are good fats. We're not talking about, you know, the, the skin of fried chicken. No, we're talking about like olive oil and avocados and those type of really good healthy fats. So 75% of, of, your, of your intake is going to be of fats. You know, 20 to 25% is going to be uh, protein and the remaining is carbohydrates. And those carbohydrates, you know, you need certain carbohydrates in your body, but, um, you know, and these can come in the form of just simple vegetables that have the, the nutrient content that we're talking about, the ones that come from these array, the rainbow array of, of, of vegetables. Um, there's also something that's called a glycemic index. And the glycemic index is a rating of each individual foods and how it spikes your, your sugar levels. So when we're in a state where we are um, in cancer and we have to eat certain carbohydrates, it's the one that you want to be that are on the low glycemic index. In fact, the way I'd recommend for people is to choose foods. Even if you don't have cancer, it's a good idea to reduce your carbohydrate intake. Carbohydrate intake. And if you're going to in- reduce your carbohydrate intake, intake, you should be focusing on the ones that have glo- low glycemic index. And again, you can find this on, on online, uh, what foods have low glycemic index, or you can even look at it on my book. Um, but there are specific foods that are, are, have nutritious value and doesn't spike your, your sugar levels. Because it's once your, once your blood sugar is increased, your, um, you know, your insulin levels will increase and then the insulin levels will, will drive inflammation and will also drive fat into your cells. And that's how we become obese. And that's how we have issues with 30% to 40% of our Western society that have obesity issues, right? Um, it's because of the large intake of, of carbohydrates and sugar. So that's in essence, you know, my little uh, speech about, about sugar. And, and I, I, it's, it's, it's obviously very um, dear to my heart because I had to go through this. And, you know, when I was suffering from cancer, it wasn't even my oncologist that actually told me to, to, to eliminate the sugar intake. It was through my own research um, that I had to come up with 
and, and learn and educate myself. And this is something that I didn't learn when I was in medical school. I had to learn this on my own and just reading you know, research that I found on the internet and I educated myself. And it is a known thing now that uh, sugar feeds you know, cancer. And so you know, it's a really good idea, even if you don't have cancer, to really eat a diet that's healthy and, and not in, in terms of your carbohydrate intake. You really don't want to be eating sugars like breads, um, which have a high spike in, in sugar and desserts and, and uh, things like that is something that you definitely want to be avoiding. But yeah, that's in essence what I would recommend. And the sugar in your coffee, you know, you got to eliminate that too. Um, I used to put a ton of sugar in my coffee and then I found stevia. And stevia is oh, way much better. And um, there's another one, it's called monk fruit. That's also as, as a sweet and is actually more natural than stevia. And uh, it's just as good for my coffee. <laughs> right. I don't put anything in my coffee. I, I just put like MTC oil and that's it. Yeah, and uh, so, but wasn't going to say was um, what exactly are foods that have sugar that you say don't eat? That have sugar that don't eat? Yeah, because well, you mentioned you mentioned breads and yeah. you mentioned desserts, but like, what is pasta bread? Like, give us those, like the simple yeah. staples so that everyone who's listening goes, oh, okay, I just ate that bread. Yeah, I ate pasta. Like that way, we can start really start like eliminating those things from our diet. The really easy thing to remember is remember to eliminate anything that's white potatoes, pasta, bread, rice. Those are the things you really want to... Uh, it's very simple. Remember what's white and then that's the easy... If you can eliminate that, you'll eliminate a large quantity of carbohydrate intake. So potatoes, um, like all potatoes? Like because there's red yeah. potatoes too. So all well, it's, that's why I said white. So white potatoes, right? White so, potatoes. You know, yeah. So, you know, pasta is typically white. So you want to eliminate that. Um, rice, you want to eat brown rice instead of white rice. Um, what else are we missing here? And yeah, those are the, the, the essentials. So if you, and bread, you know, we talked about that wheat. Yeah. So those are really things that I would recommend on, on eliminating, if not eliminating, and if it's having a hard time, it's, you don't have to sit there and, and just go cold turkey, right? That's just something that's going to be hard on your system. If you really want to implement a change, let's do it gradually, like wean yourself. You know, if you're eating pasta three times a day, you know, let's, let's cut it back to two days you know, uh, twice a day for, you know, for a week or two and then go to once a day for a week or two. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, moderation and elimination on, on, a, on a basis that's tolerable, you know? you know, unless you have diseases and you have issues where you need to cut things back quickly, like I did, you know, and you, or if you're just looking for well-being and, and trying to live naturally in a, in a better state, you know, these are the things I'd recommend to do on a gradual basis. That's um, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, it's really wonderful to have such a, uh, to have you here with such a plethora of knowledge and information to be able to share with everyone in the tribe. I think it's, um, it's really needed right now. I mean, the more information we could get, especially with us being on quarantine and everyone is buying food, like even just still being mindful about the foods that we're bringing in because people are just going and buying whatever they can eat because they don't know if there's going to be food in the grocery store. And I think just like holding, creating like some kind of menu that is like, you know, that's going to be sustainable, but also at the sense following like no sugars and cutting out certain things and looking at that list that you gave us is really going to help a lot of people. Yeah. And I hope so. And I, and I, you know, I have a feeling, I don't have any data that supports this, but I really feel that people who live a healthy lifestyle, you know, in terms of exercising on a regular basis, you know, eating, putting the right things in their system, you know, people who are, you know, 
doing some sort of meditative practice on a regular basis. You know, those are the people that I think are going to be specifically. They won't have an issue with this this COVID virus. I, I think they'll they'll. I think the COVID virus they'll be spared of the COVID virus. You know, it's people who are in unfortunately who don't take care of themselves or don't have the education or knowledge or don't have access to things like you know organic foods. It's these people that unfortunately are the ones that are being affected by COVID. And um, so that's why it's really important. I think the lesson from all of this, what we're really facing is how can we boost our immune system to sustain our, ourselves and to fight diseases like this and viruses like this. This is not, this is a virus. This is one of many that we're going to be facing in our lifetime. And how do we, how do, how do we fight this? The idea is, is to build our immune system, right? Build, build it up by eating the right things and doing the right things from a a mental state, from a body state, and from a spiritual state. Yes. And I just want to add a word, get, a, get rid of the word fight to uh, sustain through it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a wordsmith. So I'm like, in shamanism, we have like words have codes and they open up frequencies and they open up doorways of energy. And so I'm, every time someone says something, I'm like, can I just add it? Can I change yeah. that? Can I shift that? You know, it's been so wonderful um, having you here on Ancient Wisdom today. There's so many more things I want to go into, but I know we've come to the end of our share. And I just want to let you know, I really value you and appreciate you. I want to thank you for being and living your journey and, and coming through it and really learning and being in that humble space to continue to allow more information to envelop your life so that you can share it with your intellect into the world and we can be able to prosper and nurture and nourish ourselves with the knowledge and wisdom that you are providing and that you will continue to provide throughout your life. And I just want you to know that and I appreciate you so very much. Thank you so much for saying those kind words and it, it makes me feel great to be appreciated <laughs> and, and from a person like yourself and it makes me feel uh, like this is a work that I need to continue to do um, on a higher level and scale. Thank you so much. How can people uh, stay connect with you? Are you on social media? How do people get your, where's your book? Um, purchase that. Um, all this stuff would be great for the tribe. Yeah. So my book is called From Doctor to Patient, Healing Cancer Through Mind, Body, and Spirit. And you can find that on Amazon. I also have a podcast series where I release a show a week and then we talk about health and wellness. And it's also called From Doctor to Patient. And if you want more information, um, I have a weekly blog on my website. And again, that website is also from doctortopatient.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Deva Nagula. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much for having me. Goodbye. Take care. What an amazing, amazing share with Dr. Diva Nagula. You know, I really, really believe in doctors who are willing to open the door to new insights and ideas that are actually about really supporting the people instead of following some type of conglomerate system that is there just to keep people sick to keep making money for the corporations and for the pharmaceutical companies. And for me, I really put a lot of effort and energy to seeing people like Dr. Diva Nagula and other functional medicine doctors be acknowledged and seen and heard in the world because of where we are today and what we need in order to thrive, in order to continue you know, we can't continue doing the same thing and, see, and think we're going to get different results because we won't. 
So we really need to be able to open ourselves up and our minds and our perspectives of learning and understanding of ways in which we can better our health. Because look, you can do anything in life. You can, because you're powerful and you know that, right? However, doing those things in life and being able to execute those things requires you to have optimized health, really good health, a healthy body that is that is built and sustained for longevity, right? And so having Dr. Diva Nagula on the share today on Ancient Wisdom was really important for me because this beautiful being has so much information. And I encourage you all to go and find everything that he's about because he's a gift to this planet. You know, literally a doctor finding their path to medicine has always been something very interesting to me. Every time I meet a doctor, I'm always like, what made you become a doctor? It's like the topic that's always on my mind because I want to know, like, what made you choose this profession, this path in life? And I always love to hear what doctors say. You know, sometimes I hear doctors tell me, well, it was because, you know, they lost someone dear to them and they wanted to save them and they thought they could be someone who can save people. And, you know, it was all kinds of different, you know, reasons and understandings why. And, you know, Dr. Diva Nagula was inspired by his father because his father was a physician and he wanted to follow his father's footsteps in that path. And, you know, and I think the idea of following someone Uh, because we're inspired by them is important in life because I think that, you know, we all should have idols or role models, right? Um, And I would say more role models than idols because we don't want to, you know, put anyone up on a pedestal. But what we do want to do is we want to have role models, people that we see in the world who are doing things that make us feel good because we want to do those things. And instead of us looking at things in life and thinking, oh, well, I can't do this. This person does it better. But instead, see them as a role model and look at what they're doing and take what you can from them, even if you can meet them in person and just have a conversation with them. Because having a role model really sets the tone for your path. And it gives you the courage and strength that you can go to that role model, ask them questions on how the difficulties were or were there roadblocks or things that got in there in front of them that made it a bit challenging so that you can not have to go through those things and you can move through them. So I always think that's really important and it's necessary for our development. And you know what I love about Dr. Diva Nagola is that he wanted to help people. And I've heard this a lot from doctors. They wanted to help people, you know, but in our world, helping people, right? Especially in the Western medicine world, you know, it means that you're also put under a certain type of scrutiny and rules and ideas of what you can do to help people. So him being able to step into that space of really looking at how can I best help people in my most authentic way without taking away from who I am. And so for him, becoming a functional medicine doctor, I think, in my opinion, was the best thing. Because you're helping people, but you're realizing that there's one important thing. And that is that the difference between Western medicine and functional medicine is that in Western medicine, they are operating in the idea of just putting on band-aids or fixing the body. I call it the Humpty Dumpty effect, right? Western medicine is the Humpty Dumpty effect. I don't know if anyone knows about Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. 
right? And what happened when Humpty Dumpty fell, right? He broke into many pieces. And all the kings and queens men came and put the Humpty Dumpty back together again. Well, that's what Western medicine is. It's really good at putting the body back together, sewing you up, you know, bringing... Uh, if you, you know, if you've been severed or anything, it's, it's, it's good to, to bring that, you know, and it also is good for other things. So it does serve a purpose. However, the difference between Western medicine and functional medicine is that functional medicine focuses on getting to the root cause of the issue. So it's not that you're just going in there and you're taking a medication because let's say, for instance, you take a medication and you had an adverse effect because of the medication, which happens a lot for people. So what did they treat it with? more medication and that medication and then more medication. And if there's something else, they give you more medication or they want to go into surgery or they want to cut it out. And that's not the key way for us to maintain health on our planet, especially if we're looking long-term in the future. We have to develop an awareness of one, preventative medicine, which is so important, and also functional medicine, which is why did this start in the first place? What were the causes that actually made me sick or gave me disease or any of these things? What is actually causing these things? You know, the whole idea of the cause and effect. Well, I think the cause is really important because then you can understand the effect, which is the symptoms or the situations that you're going through. The cause of something like why is someone going through difficulty in their life and relationships? Well, because there was a cause and then there was an effect. And we need to know the cause. And that's what functional medicine does. So if we were to look at, you know, how important it is to realize that functional medicine gets to the root cause, don't you want to go to the root cause and find out why something is a certain way? You see, what I love in the conversation that we have is how I can talk about shamanism and bring in these spiritual understandings to a doctor, and he understands exactly what I'm talking about because he's experienced it and he's also lived it. Dr. Diva Nagula had stage four lymphoma, which was caused by chronic inflammation, which led to cancer, which a lot of people don't realize that inflammation leads to cancer. The body eating so much processed food and sugar can also cause high levels of inflammation. And look, today we have no excuse to be creating inflammation in our body. No excuse whatsoever. We have to choose the most healthiest path for our life right now. Because if we're not choosing that healthy path, we can't say, oh, I don't know why I got sick, or oh, I don't know why I'm having lung problems, but I keep smoking, or oh, I don't know why I'm having liver problems, but I keep drinking, and oh, I don't know why I have so much inflammation in my body, but I'm, I'm constantly eating all types of uh, processed food and sugars and all of these things, but I don't know why, it's time to know why. We can't keep making excuses. We can't keep living this way. We have to live in alignment to what is going to bring us and project us into the future as these walking lit leaders of the Liddy Committee. And the only way we're going to get there is by being honest and truthful that the way we're living our life, if we're eating those things and putting toxins and poisons and sodas and all types of processed things with all kinds of carbon and all types of like just additives and everything, we can't be surprised 
when we get the news we have cancer or we have an autoimmune disease or our skin is breaking out or we're having hives or we're all kinds of things stomach gut leaky bowel syndrome and all these different things that are happening to human beings today because they're not aware of what their body needs in order to maintain homeostasis it's not that difficult it really isn't it's like for me okay i'll take myself i eat one meal a day and i know omad is not for everyone a lot of people are like why do you eat one meal a day sometimes i'll i'll do an intermittent if i have to go to an event where there's going to be food and it would look awkward for me to be the only one who's not eating amongst a group of people or so forth but most of the time it's one meal a day that one meal is comprised of soup mostly i don't like my food cooked uh it's just me i really don't like cooked food and so i'll eat like raw soup or raw salad our vegetables a lot of raw foods and the reason why is because i want all the nutrients that i can get and i think when you're honoring and drinking lots and lots of water like i don't drink soda and i'm not a big juice drinker like i don't wake up and pound orange juice or high sugar things into my body and i'm always looking at sugar counts and wondering is this sugar count really high is it really going to be great for my body just because i want a release in dopamine I can get that by meditating and drawing happiness into my body and being around people that make me feel good and being around nature which is always a feel good feeling and of course everyone knows playing video games especially with my new Oculus Quest but the thing is that when I'm in an awareness of myself and I sit back and I think you know I really want to live a long life as much as I can to be able to support the people to be able to have more time with my girlfriend and my friends and to be able to travel to beautiful places that I have not yet seen on this wonderful terrace field you know this beautiful terrace sphere that we live on this gaia this pachamama i want to explore it i want to i want to take more in there's more sensations i want to feel in life more pleasures i want to take in and That's not going to happen if I don't have a biological spacesuit in which to exist in. Because yes, it's true. I'm an eternal being, like the all like all of you. We're all eternal beings. And of course, we can leave this body and we still exist. But in order to be on this terrasphere, we have to be able to maintain a body. That means what? In order to be on this planet, we need a biological spacesuit made of the ordinance and energies of the elementals so that we are able to construct a body because this is an elemental planet and you need to be made of elements to merge with the elements to get you know filled up and to be able to have sustenance so if we just come as a spirit we won't be able to lift anything or move anything on this planet because you need a physical form so our bodies you know are made of all of the elements and those elements keep giving back to us through food through water, through sunlight, through nature. I mean, I think you understand what I'm saying, right? Your body is a living organism. It's a living sentient organism that comes from this earth and is made up of this earth and the only way it can sustain itself is to take in everything from this earth. Not processed food, not sugars, not chemicals that it does you can't even say the name to or look up on the dictionary because it's not in there. 
and you have to look it up to see what chemical it is and what it does and how it was made in a lab. None of these things are what the body needs. Like I see people who drink and juice and do all of these things. And I ask myself, do you really need alcohol in your system? Do your, was your body meant to take alcohol in your system? Is it the right thing that your body needs for longevity? Is smoking the long thing that your body needs for longevity? And the list goes on and on. I think that if we are to truly be who we are, which means to be the leaders that we came to be and that we are, and we truly want to move through these challenging times that we see on earth, hmm, well, the first key is to having a really lit mind, right? Very lit mind. And how do you get a lit mind? By having a healthy body. Because when your gut health is good, your brain health is good. And when your body feels good, you make other people feel good because you feel good. And when you feel good and you make other people feel good, it becomes this rippling effect that is so huge and so big and so far out. And when I mean far out, I mean far out in like the cool way of saying far out and also far out in the sense of how far reach it gives to other people to be able to feel that very positive, good vibe feeling. Like who doesn't want a good vibe feeling? I know I do. And when I feel good in my body and I feel healthy and balanced, I have that feel good feeling. And then people around me are just like, wow, I really love your energy. And I love the, 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 the way I feel when I'm around you and I feel sensual and I feel filled up by spirit and I feel so many powerful energies moving through my being and I feel lit. Well, yeah, of course you do because I ate a salad today and I did some amazing breathing. Speaking of breathing, I love what Dr. Diva Nagula was talking about when we talk about the breath. Because he was saying, and it's so true because a lot of people don't know that, but when you breathe in your chest, you're actually taking in shallow breathing. Shallow breathing is the same breathing that you take in when you have fear or you're trying to escape something that's coming after you like a wild tiger chasing after you or someone chasing you down the street. Chest breathing is shallow breathing. And when you do that, you create inflammation in the body. And if you have trauma in your life and you've gone through trauma, it's so important for you to learn to do deep breathing. And the reason why is because when you're shallow breathing and you're creating stress in your body, you're burning out your adrenals, which is from the high stress, and that leads to inflammation. And over a period of time in the accumulation of everything else that you're doing, mentally, spiritually, who knows, who knows and who ever else you're talking to. Like I explained to Dr. Diva Nagula in the shamanic perspective of aggressive markers, right? Aggressive markers are real. And in shamanism, we really take a look at those things, right? Because when you have aggressive markers in your body um, that are affecting your body, and basically, let me just explain to you kind of what it is, right? So let's say, for instance, you don't eat really healthy. You eat a lot of sugar, you eat a lot of processed food, you're just downing so much starch, which is sugar and, and pasta and everything else you can put in your body that's not good for you because it's not living food. It's not whole food. It's not food from the earth, which is only about supplying your body with what it needs. But let's say you're a person who is just completely loading yourself up on all of this stuff, right? Now, that's affected. Now, 
you're having all these mental stuff happening, right? Because you have all these programs of people and family members and things that you've heard throughout life where you don't feel good about yourself. You don't, you don't talk positive to yourself. You're putting yourself down. You're judging yourself. You're judging others. You know, you're taking in all this negative input. You're looking at the news. You're, you know, you're listening to music that's degrading. You're doing all of these things, which is affecting your mental self. So all of your neurological system is being attacked and flooded with all of these negative frequency inputs that are firing off in your electrodes and moving through your synapses and building the technology of your being to talk and communicate to the rest of your body. Now, take that in for a moment. If your neurological system is operating in this negative frequency that is moving through your brain, that is communicating to your body and it is also creating blockages, okay? Stagnant frequencies that are not able to move because they're too much, uh, the, the resonance of those frequencies are creating what we call disturbing patterns, which affect the emotions. So now, because of your negative thinking, and because of that, those frequencies that are causing disturbances affect your emotion. Why? Because the way those frequencies are moving causes a stress to the body, which then affects the way you feel. So the way you feel then becomes affected by the way you think. And those feelings, those lovely feelings that we're supposed to be feeling beautiful things in life become feelings that are governed in fear and worry and fears that are being creating more of that energy for the mind. So the mind begins to think even worst case scenarios. It starts putting on your imagination. Your imagination starts running wild and it starts creating all of these stories and all of this impetus for you to be able to create more of that in your life because you're going out and connecting with people with that energy and you're attracting people who have matching vibrations magnetically. Now you're at the dinner table. Now you're at the lunch table. Now you're with friends and they're telling you all their horrible experiences in life, why life sucks, what this conspiracy theory is, what this thing, what's this thing, this thing and that thing. And the thing is, anything that's not coming from a place of empowerment and love and grace and beauty and opulence and prosperity and abundant thinking and acknowledgement of health and wellness and all of these things, that is considered an aggressive marker. So now you've created an aggressive marker by the food you eat, an aggressive marker by the way you're thinking, an aggressive marker by the way you're feeling, an aggressive marker by the intelligence you're taking in from the outside world, from your from the audio ways that you're perceiving through your ears and the visual perceptions that you're taking in from the news and whatever. And then you're sitting at lunch and talking to friends and they are also creating aggressive markers by sharing all of their horrible, sad, woo-hoo tales of, of you know, damnation and demise and whatever it is they're telling you, whatever horror story they're, they're flooding you with. And because you choose to sit there, even if you choose not to believe what they're saying, you're still being affected by it because you choose to listen and continue listening without giving any type of um, advice to shift the energy to changing it to a higher and more profound place of positivity and higher thinking, higher consciousness, higher intelligence. So all of that becomes aggressive markers. Now, let's take it one step further. You go home, your home is cluttered, you have mess, you have things all over the place. There's no balance in your life. Everything is messy and dirty and all over the place, disorganization. And now you're focusing on that. 
And now you're, you're comparing yourself to other people or you're not happy with the money you're making or you're not happy with the job that you have and you're not happy with the person you're with. All of that becomes a negative marker. And all of that and all those negative markers are attacking you all at once. As the most way to think of it is, the most way to think of it is to imagine that someone is stabbing you and every aggressive marker is a stab of a knife. Your body is constantly feeling attacked which means your inflammation levels are growing up, your adrenals, your cortisol, your body is creating all types of toxins in your system from the way that your brain is thinking, the way the chemical imbalance is taking place because of your emotional perception. And all of these things are coming at you at one time and your body can't take it anymore. Your cells can't take it anymore. Your muscles can't take it anymore. Your organs can't take it anymore. Your brain can't take it anymore. And all of a sudden you start developing all types of situations from illness to disease to um, mental health starts to decline. The list goes on. And this is all because of aggressive markers. And I don't care what anyone says. You can say whatever you want to say. You can say, well, you know what, Shaman Dirk, that's not scientifically proven. Um, It doesn't need to be. You can put yourself in the situation of common sense and you will see it's proven. Whenever you are overloaded with too many aggressive markers, not so many great things start to happen. And that's not just happening on a physical, that's happening on a spiritual, mental, and emotional. That's basically governing the way you connect with people and the way you build relationship in the world. The level of intimacy you allow and the level of opportunity you allow to come in versus the ones you actually sabotage and you don't even realize you're sabotaging it just by the way you're acting and being towards other people. Because remember, everything in life comes in from the pouring. What is the pouring? The pouring is that every person is pouring into you. So when we look at health and we look at inflammation, it's not just the foods you eat, it's also the company you keep. And it's also connected to all the other things that I just explained to you. We have a responsibility for forging a new world into existence by consciously creating it with our hearts and our souls and linking together collectively to be able to focus on a greater vision than the one we're experiencing on earth. And in order for us to move through that and get through that, we have to step into a realization, an understanding on how we're living our life, the foods we're eating, the food we're feeding our children, the way we're interacting with people, the excuses that we're making to allow these aggressive markers to exist, the things that we're putting in front of us. You have a choice to decide what goes in front of you. You have a choice to decide what goes in you. You have a choice to decide what you listen to and what you see. And no one can tell you otherwise. Other people may enjoy being caught up in all those aggressive markers, but they won't years down the line because their body will not be able to sustain itself, especially with everything that's coming to us. What we're witnessing on the planet right now is nothing compared to what's coming. And if you don't have an optimized health and a body that's strong and fit and full of life, then it's going to be a bit of a strain for you because you have made so many excuses and chose to eat that cupcake when your body told you not to eat that sugar and decided to do it anyway to fulfill the gap, the vacuous hole of emotional disparity that you could have easily healed by just going into the emotional pain and clearing it and releasing it. You chose to put yourself and create yourself as a toxic, inflamed person who is going to be more inflamed and more toxic because of all the things that are going to be taking place on earth. And you'll be reacting to every single one of them because when you are healthy and when you feel good, you're grounded. And being grounded is the greatest thing you can ever feel in your body because that means that you'll feel good in your body because your body 
is connecting with you on a relationship level, knowing that you are going to give it what it needs, the resource, the sustenance, so that it can give you what you need, which is a biological spacesuit to travel through this infinite space called the Terrasphere, which is Earth, Gaia, Pachamama, however you want to say it. The point is, it's now time for us to stop making excuses. What I loved also too is asking him about, you know, eating meat because a lot of people eat meat and there's a lot of people who don't eat meat. And I'm not here to be the person who's like the police officer for those who eat meat and for those who don't, but it's true. The doctor says, go get a food sensitivity test and you should. Not all bodies are created the same. And just because your family ate meat doesn't mean you're supposed to eat meat because your body may not like to eat meat and it may have a very severe sensitivity that can cause all kinds of health breakdowns in you. So important for you to get a food sensitivity test so that you can find out what things you can eat and what things you should never eat. The body understands information through technology of spiritual technology, meaning everything you eat has a code and everything that you put yourself in front of is registering codes within your being as of to how you feel about yourself. If you really love yourself, really, 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 really love yourself, you're not going to subject yourself to nonsense. You're not going to subject yourself to bullshit. And you're not going to subject yourself to food that's processed and sugar and all these different things. Because why? Well, because you love yourself. And when you love yourself, you want to feel good. You want to look good. You want to you want to you want to share that beautiful energy with the rest of the world so that you can see your brothers and sisters shifted and lifted and be able to acknowledge this beautiful beautiful experience we're having by choosing this biological spacesuit this living organism in which to exist in quantumly and be able to move through this planet with ease and grace and live our best life feeling good looking good and celebrating everyone else with us as well, which is like the greatest party you could ever go to. Because when you have that good feeling, that good vibe feeling, magic happens. Magic truly happens. And so, and I also love what he talked about dairy, because a lot of people don't know that about dairy, is that when you start getting older, um, like past 25, 26, 27, your body starts to reject dairy. It has a disability to absorb the dairy. And what happens is that your body then um, starts creating all types of difficulties with you having dairy, such as lactose intolerant, and the list goes on. And for some people, it can be as earlier as a kid, right? And the thing is, we really shouldn't consume so much dairy because especially with everything that's happening on the planet, we need to breathe. We need to have clean lungs, bronchial tubes, you name it. And we do that by getting rid of the inflammation in our lungs, our bronchial system, our bronchial tubes, and being able to have no mucus, right? The less mucus, the less phlegm, the less congestion, and we need that. Very important. We also need to keep track of our health in the sense of our blood vessels, because when we take in too much meat and too much dairy, we actually are creating all of this caked up residue in our veins and arteries, which can lead to heart attack, stroke, you name it. So I think, and you know, and if you, if you don't believe me, well, that's your choice. 
but I think we should like eliminate dairy and really focus on it. And like, look, I'm not going to say eliminate it completely. Just be mindful of how much you're consuming. I mean, I get it. I'm also a Cheegan, right? I'm a vegan who's a Cheegan. I cheat once in a while with a nice bit of feta, you know, and sometimes if I'm in Italy or somewhere else, I like to have a little cheese on my plate, but it's about moderation. It's about paying attention to what and how much you're consuming and why. If you're like a person who eats a block of cheese every day, drinks gallons and gallons of milk, and every chance you get, you're eating dairy, you're eating dairy, you're eating dairy, chances are you're creating a very difficult system for yourself because the inflammation that comes from dairy is real, y'all. And not only that, but even just the way you, when you eat processed food, I love when he's talking about eating, you know, a lot of people and vegans today are really excited about all these alternatives to, you know, to meat, such as the Impossible Burger and all these things, which is great. And don't get me wrong. I've had my fair share of Impossible Burgers, kid you not. And the thing is, I was like, yay, I can have a hamburger. It tastes like a hamburger. I love the taste of a hamburger. I might, you know, it's like literally, I don't want to eat meat. However, I do like the taste of it. I'm not going to lie. I do like the taste of it, but I don't want to eat it because I know it came from an animal and I know the animal has a being and a soul and all many other things. And plus my body can't digest it because I can sense the animal and I don't want to be going about my day always thinking about the animal that I eat eaten. Uh, because my body's super sensitive to energy. But nonetheless, I do like the taste. And having the Impossible Burger at my doorstep when I can just get a nice Impossible Burger is great. But again, it's processed. So what does that mean? I'm not saying cut out your Impossible Burger. I'm just saying eat more whole and live foods than processed foods. If you want to have a Impossible Burger like maybe once a month or you know, if you really must every two weeks, that's fine. Treat yourself to an impossible burger. However, make sure that your daily intake of food is mostly around eating whole, eating food that comes from the earth, living food. That way you can live a long life and feel, you know, that you're here to stay. Remember, the importance of food is like driving you down the road like a car, right? It's either driving you into life, longevity, and sustenance, or it's driving you off a cliff. I don't want to go off a cliff anytime soon. Actually, I don't want to go off a cliff ever. And I want to live a very long and healthy life. Besides, I have one kidney. I had a kidney transplant. I got to take care of it. I got to take care of this kidney. I got to take care of my body. And that means eating the right foods to do so. I love Dr. Diva Nagula for all of the information and all the things that you can learn about how to find out which foods are good to eat and which ones aren't. I'm so happy that he was here to share his love, find out more about him, get involved. He's an amazing, amazing human being. And I'm so happy that he was on Ancient Wisdom today. Love you. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, 
where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others, your partner, your children, coworkers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit.